season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. I have an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. That's idea. That's the result you're going to get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The laugh, doctor laugh. is now in. And a good Tuesday to you. NBA Finals game number one. It begins tonight. We'll be breaking it down for you, giving the latest. BJ Armstrong is going to join us today, the three-time former champ. I don't even know if the, the term former champ is right. I mean, once you're a champ, you're a champ. So there's no former champ, right? So he's the three-time champ. There it is. All right. It'd be Joey Chestnut. I mean, he's the current champ, right? The 14-time champ. Okay, I understand how it works. Okay, doesn't matter. Current, past, you're a champ, you're a champ. And I know that with boxers, too. Guy had a title seven years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, and they still say, hey, champ. So, okay, I'm on, we're on the champ bandwagon. There you have it. All right, glad to have you with us. On this terrible Tuesday, we're getting it started. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you. NBA Finals game number one tonight. It's the Suns and the Bucks. We'll break that down tonight and uh, some news off the court, you know, with the not just the two teams that are playing, but in the broadcast front. We'll dive on that as well, too. Plenty of terrible Tuesday takes for you. Nick Bogdanovich will join us next hour, and we'll talk to Nick about betting on the NBA Finals as well as a few other things, including little golf match that's going on today. The match on a Tuesday afternoon, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. That'll be broadcast on TNT. There you have it. All right. A lot to do. A lot to cover today. Ballpark, what's going on, my man? Oh, just uh, been waiting on hold for the last hour and then have to uh, start doing the show here. So, you know, love the modern-day system we have here. What a wonderful world we live in. Jeez. So, I don't even know where to go with that. I don't even know where to go. Should we... Would you like to stay on hold, or should we want to play hold music while, well, while you're doing the show? I need to get done what I was on hold for, but I have no idea how long it will be. So no, I decided. So you probably to hang started up, this process an hour, right? You probably started the process about an hour or so. I ago. started doing it, yeah, before I came into yeah. where before I it was in the car the whole way, then outside in the parking lot, then in here, and uh, still, uh, oh, we appreciate your patience. No, you don't really have my patience. I don't have a choice. How many times have uh, you done that? Because I know I've done it numerous times when I've been on hold with either DirecTV, AT&T, and then they've cut me off, and then I've had to call back a start all over again, and then I just start blasting. I blast. I, and I'm really – I'm not good at it. I mean, I'm, I'm bad at it. I mean, I'm good at blasting, but I, I come across really bad with these people, especially the ones that uh, I don't think can even understand me, and I can't understand them because, you know, a call center in Indonesia somewhere – I know. I'm bad. I go off. Have you, ever, really, you ever done that? I don't do that because I've worked at enough restaurants to know what people do to food sometimes when it gets sent back. I never personally did. What are they going to do? Cut I've off your TV? 
No, but they could, they can hang up on you again and make you go through the whole yeah, process sure. over. I've been or there. they or they can purposely put something wrong on the computer and all of a sudden what you think you just took care of they didn't mm. take care of again. Mm. Or they can maybe not add mm. add you a discount or something that you were reliable for or eligible for, and then they go, Yeah, screw this guy, we ain't gonna give him nothing. <laughs> yeah. So no, I try to still be nice even though I want to go off. All right. What's your excuse right now? My excuse right now is I'm not talking to the person that can do me any more damage. <laughs> well, good luck on that, man. So, so, so you're awful. You, you gave up. You hung up. Well, I, are you still in, unless you want me out in the? In no, I'd love you know ha- when I can come in here. I'd love to have you here, man. No problem. I'm just wondering. I'll should, try again wait. at four o'clock, and uh, then they'll probably uh, be on hold till five, and then they'll say the office is now closed, <laughs> and then I'll get cut off at that point. That is true. Yeah, yeah it would be good if we. Uh, you know, too bad we. You can't just, you know, have this settled on the air right then, you know, right now. Except we have hold music on, you know, probably for two hours because that's how long. You well, it's not just agencies. the hold music. Then it's the thing of, oh, all our operators are still busy right now helping <laughs> other clients. We appreciate your patience. Thank you. Stay on the line. And, and with bad music, too. It's always oh, bad yeah. music. Yeah, it's not good music. Yeah. It's not even good elevator yeah, music. Yeah, it's terrible. All right. Terrible Tuesday. Where do I start? Let's start. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right. Thankfully, we just conclude a 4th of July and a 5th of July. And what I'm talking about is concluding the fireworks show, the fireworks extravaganza. I don't know about you, but do you get irritated when people either in your neighborhood, it doesn't even have to be in the neighborhood, but are close to your proximity and are blasting off fireworks, especially illegal fireworks, and they're keeping you up till... Wee hours of the morning, one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning with fireworks. It's like Beirut, usually, every holiday like this. And it doesn't matter where I live, doesn't matter what city I live, but again, it's not that I'm anti-fireworks, but why don't you just go watch fireworks somewhere? Go hang out by the strip. Go hang out at some park or something like that and watch your fireworks at 9 30 10 11 o'clock don't bring your fireworks home and shoot them off after midnight or up till three o'clock in the morning how about you well i've never liked it i don't like the sense of entitlement that people have uh but my concern isn't even from a personal basis necessarily you know i mean it's a, i'm up late at night a lot of times anyhow so that doesn't bother me that much what does bother me is the inconsideration that people have for all the pets that end up in the shelters, for all the veterans and that that are freaking out, for some older people right. that freak out in that. Uh, you know, and these people, uh, plus, oh, by the way, we're in a gigantic drought right now. Mm. Have you seen where Lake Mead is these days? Mm. Have you seen fires all over the place? Have we seen the West Coast burning the last several years? 
That's the kind of stuff that bothers me. Mm-hmm. But I get it. Some of these people, oh, you got to light it yourself. And you got to go ooh and ah for your neighbors. And you got to show them how the cool stuff you have is. Because, well, anybody can see what's going on at station mm-hmm. casinos or on this trip or this, that, and the other. No, but I'm cool. I'm going to do my own fireworks show because I'm Mr. Pyrotechnic. No, you're Mr. Idiot. You're Mr. Pain in the Ass. You're Mr. Like, oh, you think you're celebrating more than anybody else out there because you're special and you're more patriotic. No, you're an inconsiderate. You don't give a damn about anybody at you. Fun didn't bother you. Doesn't really bother me. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm fine with those guys buying the big family pack. And that's another thing that I have a problem with. You know, basically burning money. You want to spend 40, 50, 100. I've seen people spend thousands of dollars on family fireworks. Go to the stand. You want to support your local little league softball team. So you're that talking sort of to That's okay. I'm, this, I'm talking about neighborhood stuff. So I'm okay with if you want to go burn your money and you want to light the stuff off at 730, 8, 30, wait till it gets dark, 842. Okay, that's fine. But cut it off. How long does it take you? Cut it off at 9.30 or 10 o'clock. What I'm talking about is the illegal fireworks, the stuff that's, that you're shooting at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. That's the stuff I don't understand. Well, how about the people that shoot them off a week before and up to a oh, week after? Yeah. Like you just said, oh, thank God it's finally over. Uh, is it really over? Well, that's why I threw in the fifth because, oh, every time that, you know, we have a holiday like this on a weekend, then it carries over because everyone has to have their day off on the following Monday. So that just means double the fireworks, double the, the, the maniacs and the explosions and... And the pet peeves that I have here with this nonsense. Someone out there in your neighborhood's going, oh, TC thinks I'm done with my fireworks, huh? Wait till tonight. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, it's inconsiderate is, is what it is. Isn't that it's, what I said? A, yeah. I, as I'm saying, we're on the same page with this thing. But again, you know, and I saw, it's like the trick-or-treaters. Okay? Same thing. You, you see families that start early while the sun is still out in October. They want to go around 4, 4.30 because they don't want their kids out. In crowds, and they don't want their kids out after dark, and that's cool. But that, what do you do? You get the 17, 18, 25 year olds that want to come trick or treating, you know, at nine or 10 o'clock at night, okay? And they're banging on your door. Now, do you give them stuff? I don't, you know, me, we've talked about this before. I find a movie and I'm gone. I shut, I, sh- I shut things down. I'm gone at four o'clock. Has, has your I'll house ever been TP'd or never, anything? Or? Ne- never has. Yeah. Ne- never has. Do, do so. kids today even know what TP in a house prob- means? Prob- prob- <laughs> probably not. But I have, you know, left, uh, you know, a bowl full of candy, you know, out in, in front of the door to be the good Samaritan like that. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. I just, you know, well, that's because no, you can't trust people. The the honor society just take them one piece or whatever. But can't say that and put out candy. So yeah, I, I gave that stuff up. But and I, that's why I liked about Green Bay. In Green Bay, they had hours. It was four to eight p.m. Boom, that was done. Same thing with the fireworks. Okay, you couldn't shoot fireworks off uh, in your neighborhood past ten o'clock. And it was a, a county-wide ordinance. It was beautiful. Well, they have laws and ordinances out here, too. They Do just they? don't enforce them. <laughs> okay. Every year, what do we hear? This year, they're going to be cracking down on illegal fireworks. I went to a friend's house on 4th of July. After the fireworks at Station Casinos, I was coming home well, after 10 o'clock at night, probably 1030. 
I saw them all over the Valley. Yeah, nice crackdown. Yeah, you sure eliminated that again this year, just like you did all 30 years that I've lived out here. They say it every year, and they never do it. I just don't want my neighborhood to be Beirut. I don't want it to be a war zone. Well, That's it. Have you ever seen somebody shooting off their fireworks at one of these street parties or something like that and light somebody else's house on fire oh, or yeah. bush or something? Because I have. Yeah. And how many, how many stories we see on the news every year about... There's a fire because fireworks got out of control. There, there was an apartment fire again uh, yesterday. That was just one of the items I saw in the news. I know there were several more as well, well too. A, a couple of years ago, down by Sam Boyd Stadium, there was that fire. Somebody lit something off, and one of those whole little brush fires almost took out a bunch of mobile homes and stuff. Right. Yeah. So that's it. So thank goodness we got to put up with this. You know, maybe only once or twice a year. But well, New Year's we're Eve and Fourth of July yeah. in this town, and then. Every Friday at uh, Aviator Ballpark. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, USA Olympic sprinter uh, Shikari Richardson will not be allowed to run in the 100 meters of the Olympic Games. Crushing blow for the United States uh, track and field team, but more crushing for Shikari Richardson. But it's her own fault. She tested positive for marijuana. Now, I know what people are going to say. Well, wait a minute. It's legal. You know, the trials were in Oregon. They're in Eugene. And she decided, I'm going to go ahead and smoke a joint. I'm going to take some marijuana. Well, it doesn't matter if it's legal or not. It is and has been for quite some time considered a banned substance by most organizations, especially USA Track and Field, especially any Olympic organization. So, yeah, uh, deservedly so. She will not compete in the 100 meters in the uh, Olympics in Tokyo. She won the Olympic trials on June the 19th with a time of 10.96. Her result is now being erased. The fourth-place finisher, uh, Jenna uh, Prandini, will take her place on Team USA. She can still probably uh, compete maybe in the 4x100-meter relay and that sort of thing because it was a three-month ban, but now they've lowered it to a one-month ban. But the 100-meter final and the qualifying are going to take place within those 30 days. So she's out. So she'll probably still be on the Olympic team, but she will not get a chance to, to race in the 100. So here was Shikari Richardson's comments about what happened. I want to take responsibility for my actions. I know what I did. I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm allowed not to do, and I still made that decision, but um, not making an excuse or looking for any empathy in my case, but just however, being in that position of my life, finding out something like that, something that I would say is probably one of the biggest things that have impacted me positively and negatively in my life when it comes to dealing with the relationship I have with my mother. So that definitely was a very heavy topic on me and people don't understand what it's like to have to our people do we all have our different struggles we all have our different things we deal with but to put on a face to have to go in front of the world and put on a face and hide my pain um like who i don't know who are you or who am i to tell you how to cope when you're dealing with a pain or you're dealing with a struggle that you've never experienced before or that you've never thought you would have to deal with. Like, who am I to tell you how to cope? Who am I to tell you that you're wrong for hurting? So I think just honestly, just leading up to that, dealing with my mental health. That's enough of that. 
Now, let's set the tone here. What happened? So she got news from a reporter that her mother had passed away. So that her was biological her mother. Biological mother. Yeah. So so that 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 was that was de- devastating. We understand that. But here's the thing. Just she got triggered, as she said, and she had some time to think about this. And she left the track, and then and then she said, "Okay." I'm I'm lost here. I'm going to go smoke a blunt. I mean, that's it. That's going to make me feel better. Knowing that that is probably going to disqualify her from being in the Olympic Games. What you live for, what you train for. And no doubt about it, she's crushed about the news that she got. But how in the world does that make you drive you to marijuana and knowing that you can't have marijuana? You can't have it. You can't do it. But that is going to maybe make you feel better, and this is your coping mechanism. I understand people cope with different things different ways, and I understand that. But for her now to basically use that platform and just continue to talk about that, that, uh, that you know, to me, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I just I, I don't want to hear about it. I, I don't want to hear that as an excuse, you put it in your mouth, you smoked it, and it was enough where you were going to test positive. And to me, it's it's not justified. Well, there's a lot of different aspects to this story. And I agree with you on the one thing. She knew what she was doing. She knew that it was illegal. She knew when she smoked it that she was going to be in trouble. And different people do cope differently. You know, I mean, when my mom passed away in honor of her because of the way I was raised, I actually worked that day. And people thought I was out of my mind. But that was because that's why I was raising Ed. You know, she found out it was devastating news. She smoked a blunt. Uh, You know, it wasn't the right thing to do. It probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. One problem that I do have with this is one thing that you just mentioned at the start of the story. If you're off the Olympic team, then you're off the Olympic team. How are you eligible to be in the in the relays, but not in the actual the event that you're right now favored to win the gold medal? And the U.S. women haven't won that particular race in a long, long time. You're either an Olympian and you're not. It's the same exact games that you're going to. So you either are or you aren't. It's also the people that that kicked her off the team or whatever. I know I was reading some things that it was a. Uh, you know, that the presidential committee and different things were the, the ones that said that she's not an Olympian. Well, I don't really know that that's their choice. Now, the thing is, even if the USOC or whatever, if they didn't ban her, would the IOC let her run anyhow? Maybe she wouldn't. So there's a lot of different layers to this. I think she made a huge mistake. The other thing that's really starting to bother me about this, because now we hear people coming out and saying that this is a racist policy. Oh, please. I, I believe it was Seth Rogen who just said that, well, this is against the black community because they, well, first off, I got a, white, a lot of white friends who smoke pot a lot, okay? I'm tired of everything being the race card or this, that, or the other. I don't like that aspect of it. But, you know, I, she's either in both or she's in neither as far as I'm concerned and, and as far the as the racing And I got goes. no problem of her smoking marijuana. If she wants to do that in her own time, and as we know, it's legal in a lot of states, that's fine. But you're a U.S. Olympian, and they are going to do their due diligence. They're going to do what they're supposed to do. They're going to protect their sport. And whether it's marijuana, whether it's a, a, a street drug or prescription drug, they want to keep a, a level playing field. Don't use the excuse and try to, to, to blame the committee 
by saying that, hey, you know, I'm entitled to smoke my weed and I'm going to use the excuse at my mother's death or whatever. And, and that's lame. You own up. You, 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 you did it. And, and, and the end of story, plain and simple. But how about this? Be smarter. There's got to be other ways. And again, she doesn't sound like she's the brightest girl. I'm sorry. Doesn't sound that way. And for someone to go and do that when you know that you are basically, you know, you know, killing your career, so to speak, and you've trained four years for these Olympic Games. So it just tells me. Well, and in this case, actually five. Yeah. Because right. of the craziness of right. the, the extra year added. Right. So, to me, it sounded like an apology that's not. Re- it's an apology, but then you're turning into right. an excuse and saying, but you should still give me a mulligan and just let it slide. Right. Right. Exactly. So. No, you so did it, it. it's taking culpability without actually taking it. And again, I, I understand a lot of people coming to the front, too. And like you said, people, well, it's legal. Yeah, it's legal to smoke a joint. It's not legal to smoke a joint and then go drive the company vehicle after smoking it. You know, there's certain things. And she knew in what she does that you can't do that. Ricky Williams was an NFL football player that we all remember, even a lot of young people. He was one of the best football players ever. He literally gave up his career to smoke pot and admitted it. He couldn't stop doing this stuff. He moved right outside of Sacramento to Grass Valley because they were famous for all of all of these uh, these farms and stuff like that yeah. where he had it. And, and that's where he, he's currently there still. But, yeah. Yeah, just... I mean, he gave up millions of dollars knowing that he was going to do it. How many millions did she potentially give yeah. up? When The chance to be the favorite in an event that the U.S. hasn't won in track and field in forever, now you can't win it this year. Right, exactly. And, you know, that was supposed to be the featured event, too. She was going to face off against uh, Shelly Ann Frazier-Price from Jamaica. That was the most anticipated race in the Olympics in the women's 100 meters. And, again, she did it to herself. So I don't feel so All right. Well, I don't really feel sorry for her either, but, I, you know, I, I wish it didn't happen. But I'm curious to see, because if they let her run in the 100, then that's totally hypocritical. I mean, in the relay. Right. I don't get that. Right. All right. Mine here is going to be something that I've been thinking about for a while, and it's really not sports-related. But uh, it's something around town here. People, remove head from sphincter when driving on the roads out here, please. I'm tired of it. Use your turn signals. Put your lights on at night. If you're in the middle lane, you don't go and then make a right or left-hand turn. You don't just cut in front of people all the turn. Why can't people drive in this town? You know, texting and driving is still a problem, but that's only one of several out there. And what is it that everybody goes through red lights in this town but takes forever to start going on a green light? It's not that difficult. It's driving. You learn it in high school. Well, maybe they don't anymore because it costs too much money because nobody knows how to friggin' drive anymore. All right, when you're on the road, you have a couple ton vehicle there that you can do danger and kill somebody with. If you can't get your head out of your behind, then don't get behind the wheel. It's that simple. Knock it off. You people make me sick. <laughs> that public service announcement of the driving council is Frank Harnish. Frank's opinions do not... Go uh, they, represent they, the. They should they, represent they should. everybody else. They here. should, and I'm with you on that. When you're it driving is. at night, how many times do you see cars no, without their headlights yeah. on? How many times do people go in front of you? I I can't um I can't even count anymore how many people from the middle lane make right and left hand turns. Unfortunately, my friend, it's not just this town. This this argument is nationwide. It's in every. Well, city. then start writing you tickets know. nationwide. Do you think? I mean. Let's go bigger problem here. Do you think that maybe the age 
to operate a vehicle should be older than 16? Well, I think they should at they least may have, have something to, have, to do with it. Th- they should have to have it back in school or something again, or at least teach yeah. people how to do it. But the problem is it's not just 16-year-olds in that. I see 30-year-olds behind the oh, – no, put no, down no, the phone, do the – if you're going to talk on your phone, get a Bluetooth. You don't, you don't use your phone can, when you're driving. Can we throw in people that are driving without insurance? And then oh, they for get, sure. And then they get in an accident, and then we have major problems here. Yes, and then, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the poor people who get in these accidents. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. On a lighter note, all right, Euro 2020, uh, Italy and Spain, uh, that's really not a lighter note. They're in extra time right now in the semifinal. But I'm going to take you back to the quarterfinal where Italy defeated Belgium 2 to 1. Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Andrea Bellotti and Alessandro Bastani. What did they all do immediately after the match, after the victory and celebration? Well, we've seen athletes, you know, go and they take off their shirts and they exchange shirts, you know, with uh, the other athletes. Well, we saw... Can you do that during COVID times? uh, Well, they're doing it, except they're taking it a step further. Instead of exchanging uh, the shirts with the players, they ran up into the stands, and not only do they take off their shirt, they drop their drawers. Is a full Monty? Well, I wouldn't say the full Monty because the underwear was there. The underwear okay. was showing, all right? So, so was Monty Python. So, well, some fans enjoyed it, uh, especially the ones who received the shorts. They were throwing their shorts in the stands. But TV viewers in Italy were incensed. Like, how can you do that? This is our, our national pastime. This is our country. This is our team that you're representing. And you're walking around in your underwear. I was watching this match live. And I didn't see the other two guys. But I, but I did see Di Lorenzo. And I saw him go in the stands. And when I saw him come out of the stands, he's got his, he's got his little uh, skivvies on. He's got his tidy whities on. I don't even have going, what happened to this guy's shorts? What's going on there? And there it is. And he's tugging on his junk. That's it. He's tugging on his Johnson there. I mean. It was probably the, sweaty after a long the world s- to see. soccer game. In the world to see. Then there's more. There's two, three well, guys. Don't, to, don't hold the phone up for me. Yeah. I don't need to see it. I, just, I need you to get a visual here. No, you don't. I, I, I know. I, I've been in locker rooms in my life. I've played different <laughs> sports. I don't need to see it here in the studio. These imbeciles taking off their shorts. And throwing it in the crowd and then walking around on the pitch afterwards in front of a worldwide television audience like, it's no big deal. I don't understand what's going on in their brain here. Now, here's the worst part. This isn't the first time we've seen this. In Italy, an Italian handball player, Ivan Stuffer. You like that name? Well, he didn't react too well during a match. And this was going back uh, a while back. A player was closely guarding him. And he, the player who was guarding him, decided to kiss him. So Ivan wasn't too pleased. So what does Ivan do? He didn't pull a Gary Bertier in, uh, and go after Ronnie Sunshine Bass. If you saw that movie, of course, we're talking about... Uh, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans very well. He didn't do that, because remember that. You know, they thought Sunshine was a little, you know, that yeah, way. Well, he came yeah. from California and yeah. had long blonde hair, so, uh, you know, you they did the math. <laughs> So he didn't pull a Gary Bertier and go after him. No, he decided to turn to the player and the crowd and drop his drawers. That's it. Dropped his shorts. Said kiss this instead. He did. He, underwear, grabbed his crotch, w- waved to the crowd, and he was ejected after the handball match. So what does he do after the match? 
He doesn't leave. He jump, jumps over the rail, goes in the crowd, just like the Italian soccer players, except this guy stayed and watched the rest of the match in the stands in his underwear. Well, first off, I think that's a violation of a dress code in the stands, so they should have <laughs> evicted him for that. Secondly, I don't think he had a ticket, so he didn't have a seat, so they shouldn't have let him in there. And thirdly, when he dropped his drawers like that, I think he took handball way too far. <laughs> <laughs> then there's Mirko Vucicic, all right? He's actually, for you to say it. Yeah, not. <laughs> he's actually from Montegro. But he scored a goal, took off his shorts, and twirled it around. This is going back years ago. No, wait, twirled what around? His he shorts? He t- took his shorts off after he scored the goal, twirled it around like a helicopter, and decided to throw it on the pitch. He got a yellow card, just a yellow card. And then five minutes later in the match, he scored the game-winning goal. Oh, by the way, guess who he's playing for? Juventus in the Italian League. What is up with these Italians? Please explain it to me. Handball players, soccer players. What is the deal with them taking off their shorts? And what happened next from this clown who plays for Juventus? He got rid of the underwear. He did decide to go full Monty. He bared it all. But please explain to me what's going on in Italy. I, I don't get it. Why, why are these guys in love with dropping them their, their shorts? Are they in love with their Italian sausage? What's going on? I have no idea. But first off, you said that the fans were happy because they were, uh, they were getting the shorts. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they'd be happy about that. And if the one guy got a yellow card for just dropping the shorts, did the uh, other one get a brown card for uh, dropping <laughs> both? <laughs> What would the red card? The red card's ejection, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. A brown card is <laughs> lifetime bans. <laughs> the brown is worse than the red, is what you're saying, right? I think, uh, uh, to me it is, yeah, but, you know, oh. eh, it's a crappy situation. Hey, as they say, <laughs> what can brown do for you? <laughs> what has brown done for you lately? <laughs> oh, jeez. You got some terrible Tuesday takes. Uh, hit us on Twitter at TCBart21 at VGKFrank. As well. All right, we come back. B.J. Armstrong is going to join us, and we start talking NBA he finals. He took his shorts, off, his shorts out for a final. Well, we'll ask Man him. Man, class. Yeah, well, he took them off, but they're in the locker room well, after yeah, the not, celebration. Not in the, not in the stands. Right, yeah. Probably were soaked with champagne, too, right? All right, B.J. Armstrong, next. Hi, this is Bill Beer, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. NBA Finals. Start tonight in Phoenix, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns. Game one, we'll uh, break it down for you with our guy who knows something about championships. He got three rings himself. BJ Armstrong, what is going on, my man? Man, I can't complain, man. Let me just hear this music for a little bit, man. I know I say this every week, man. It just just sounds so good to me every week, though. Every week. Pop it up, man. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to kick back for a while. Go ahead. Get your groove on, brother. There you go. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, see, while you're uh, you're watching that or listening to that, BJ, I'm just going to watch penalty kicks here between Italia and Espana in Euro 2020. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. How you doing, my friend? You doing all right? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you taking the time and, and joining us here. And uh, I know you've been busy, and it's finals time. And, and when this time of year approaches... I mean, you still get kind of little goosebumps, man, as, as you get ready for it. And I know last year was different, and even this year, kind of the COVID hangover. But uh, how do you feel about finals time? Yeah, well, you know, the finals is great. And, uh, you know, these last two finals in particular have been very interesting. 
you know, last year being in the bubble and the whole scenario with COVID and all the protocols and the things, and eventually the Lakers were crowned champion. And then this year, you know, we have two, you know, teams in the finals I think are very unlikely. I don't know if anyone would have picked the, the Phoenix Suns at the beginning of the year in light of, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year and they haven't made the playoffs in, in probably the last 10 years. And then when we saw the exit previously with the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, I don't think there were many people who believed outside of the Milwaukee Bucks nation uh, that they would actually be here in spite – and he must put in, in the, into that equation now that Giannis is hurt. He's injured. So um, these are two unlikely teams, but here we are, and uh, it's time to play, and another champion will be crowned. You know, when you look at the Phoenix Suns, just two years ago this team was 19-63. and 63. Can you recall that kind of a turnaround – for a team that's just basically been dormant. I mean, going back uh, you know, a decade plus, and then just two years ago with that kind of a record, and here they are, not just in the playoffs, but in the NBA Finals. Yeah, it's been an amazing, amazing turnaround. And, you know, with James uh, Jones and Monty Williams at the helm, respectively, you know, general manager and head coach. And then, you know, you got Devin Booker, you got young talent, you, you draft DeAndre Ayton. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, you have an opportunity to get a guy like Chris Paul. And you can see the difference that a player can make with the roster. And uh, they certainly made all of the right moves, getting Jay Crowder, you know, Bridges. Um, you know, they've, they've made all of the right moves. Give those guys credit. But more importantly, those players have performed. And Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, who they got in the draft, now they have the ability, with those guys being healthy, to be very good for a length of time, you know, uh, hoping that, you know, injuries won't come into play. So uh, things are looking bright there in the Valley of the Sun, and uh, you can see you just hang in there, you, you add a piece here, you add a piece there, and you never know what can happen. And certainly the Phoenix Suns are a testament to that, and uh, you can see the difference that Chris Paul in particular has made to this group. Obviously, the finals is just starting tonight, but the narrative of this playoff up to this point in a lot of people's mind has been all the injuries. When all is said and done, is that going to be the narrative of this playoff? Or if Phoenix wins, or is Chris Ball just obviously the story after all these years and the different places he's been that he finally goes to a place and, like you say, he takes some of these youngsters and has now the chance to lead them to an NBA championship? Well, you know, a championship is a championship, and uh, whoever is going to be crowned champion, they're very deserving. And certainly, these are different times, guys. And, and you know, you, you got to, you know, every championship run has its own set of obstacles and things that we all have to overcome. You know, we could say that if maybe half of the league had to overcome that, but all of the teams start in the same place. So every team, um, whether they've had injuries or not, um, they've all had to battle the same things, and we've all had to go through what we've had to go through. However, you got to give the Phoenix Suns credit. Uh, for the most part, knock on wood, they've been healthy. And uh, this is a team that's been playing well all year on the road, which kind of caught my attention early in the season. And uh, you just kept watching them, and they kept winning on the road. That's always the first sign for me of a good team, that they can actually you know, take their show on the road. And uh, they've been doing it in the regular season. They've carried that on in the postseason. And I don't think it takes away anything if they are crowned champions this year because that's a very difficult thing to do. And uh, they would be very deserving of it. So, um, But I do agree with this. You know, it's kind of like the last man standing. That's kind of what this is looking like. You, you know, we haven't seen this many 
players, star players injured in quite some time, if at all, uh, during this time of the year. And um, you know what? But, you know, again, you need a little luck along the way, and that's part of it. You know, to that point, so they open uh, against the Lakers, and a lot of people thought, okay, even though the Lakers were the number seven seed, that they were the favorite. They were favorite here in Vegas, and the Lakers are playing without Anthony Davis. They get to the next round, and then Denver's obviously playing without Jamal Murray. They get to the the round against the Clippers, and then there's no Kawhi Leonard. And now you get to you know, a lot of people are questioning, say, well, hey, look how they got here. Uh, literally, they either. Uh, you know, faced a team that was missing their best player or their second best player, and now the opener against Milwaukee, you know, uh, Giannis uh, may not play. Now he's just got upgraded to to questionable. So, yeah, injuries have been a weird thing, and I can't remember the last time seeing something like this, BJ, as well. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's like I said, you know, unfortunately these players are getting hurt, and uh, thank goodness for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, with Giannis. I mean, when I saw that, I, I, I just I don't like to see players get hurt at all, right? Uh, at all, and let alone an injury like that. So thank goodness that's you know he's he's looked like he will be able to resume at some point here sooner rather than later. But um, you know, like I said, that you, you need luck, right? You, you got you need talent, you, you need toughness, and you need a little luck along the way. A, a lucky bounce here, a lucky bounce there. And uh, as we all know, injuries are part of the game, right? No one's healthy at this time. You know, Chris Paul was out. You know, we didn't know it. I can't remember what series that was with the shoulder. And then he misses a couple games with the COVID protocol. So everyone has their own set of problems uh, that they have to deal with. And, uh, you know, this is, part of, uh, this is part of the journey. But in the end, it's the first team that can win 16 games. And right now, both of these teams are four wins away from reaching that goal. How much do you like the Milwaukee Bucks in this series? And when, let's go. Let's go back a little bit too and look at this team. They really underachieved the past couple seasons, and you could say it was just untimely, uh, you know, shot selection or maybe you know Giannis at the free throw line. I mean, there were a lot of you know skeptics out there, and, and this guy has been named the the regular season MVP the last two seasons, and they finally get here now. But there's still some non-believers out there, BJ. Well, you, you know, the thing that has changed most in sports since, you know, I you know I started participating in professional sports in particular is now we look more at the individual and the individual numbers and accomplishments more than the construction of the teams, right? You can I've seen a lot of great players in our day, but that didn't mean that they were the best team. You know, now we just automatically assume because this guy's the MVP, this guy averages 30 points a game, that, that those numbers translates to a championship. Well, roster construction is, is a skill set. And I don't think that variable uh, comes into play often because now we're living in the age of analytics, right? We just look at the numbers, you look at the numbers, you, you spit the numbers out, and you say, this is how this is team should win because of the analytical equation that we're, we're, we're putting into this system. But when you look at the construction of a team, you know, Giannis was, wasn't drafted in the lottery. You know, you, you know, when you look at their team, the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a team really out of, of outcasts, right? You got P.J. Tucker. You got Chris Middleton. I think it was a second-round pick. You got Giannis. None of those players there were drafted with the idea and came in with the same pressure of, let's say, a LeBron James or, let's say, a, a player who was drafted – in the top four or five in the draft, normally where you find these players that we're actually talking about. So 
I didn't know if this was the team that was ready to win a championship, but certainly they had a player in Giannis that suddenly ascended to this level of excellence, right? Because if we would have all, all of us experts, if we would have thought he was going to be this player, certainly he wouldn't have been drafted where he was drafted, <laughs> okay? So all of us kind of, you know, we make mistakes, even though we are experts. The NBA people who are drafting, they missed him. And, that's, and you're seeing more and more players get missed. There was a reason that, you know, like, for instance, Jokic was drafted in the second round, right? We missed him. We're missing somebody. We missed Kawhi Leonard. You know, think about this. Steph Curry was drafted seventh. There were like three point guards drafted ahead of him. So it's not, a, it's not always, you know, just because the guy puts up numbers or, you know, more. sometimes we are wrong in these drafts, and Giannis is certainly a testament to that. But I think he is growing into that position. I think he's growing into that, and I think the, the Milwaukee Bucks are beginning to add championship-caliber pieces. I thought Drew Holiday was a great addition. I thought P.J. Tucker was another great addition. And it takes time because Giannis certainly ascended. Basically, he came out of nowhere. I mean, no one thought he was ever going to be this player. You saw the skills. You saw that he could be a good player sometime. But I don't think anyone said when he was drafted this was going to be a back-to-back MVP. Certainly talent takes you a long way in the NBA or any sport, but there's also that mental aspect of it. You played on Bulls teams that went out on the court, you expected to win championships, and you did just that. What do you make of the mental aspects of both of these clubs? Because Milwaukee's been there before, but they've never quite gotten to the the precipice and the peak, and now this year they have a chance to do that. And then you take a team like Phoenix that, although they were the second seed, they were a dog in the first round to the Lakers, and I really believe that once they beat the Lakers that their confidence really reached a different level, and I think they've really catapulted that into a championship potential run. Well, what I like most about this Milwaukee team is – they, in my opinion, they their run to the finals to me resembles what it used to be when you tried to get to the finals. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to put this team together and we're expected to win the championship. No, failure is part of the process. <laughs> okay, you know, we 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 lost to Detroit a couple times before we actually were able to get to where we wanted to get to. Well, this Milwaukee Bucks group. They fail. You know, failure is a part of the experience. It's a part of the process. It's a part of the journey. And I think by them losing, it it resembles more of like, okay, this is the path. Every year they, they fail down, but they continue to get back up. They've been down in series, and they get back up. They've been down 0-2, and they found a way. Giannis goes down. They find a way. So I really like the mental makeup of this group. This Phoenix Suns team to me, it has been playing championship-caliber basketball starting in the playoffs. And what I mean by that is Chris Paul is at a point when he has an opportunity to finish, he's beginning to finish the games. That's just what I'm really loving about what Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns are doing. When they have an opportunity to finish a team, Devin Booker has stepped up, Chris Paul has played terrific, and the big fella, DeAndre Ayton, He's quietly playing as well as anybody in the league. We can't keep saying he's a young player now. He he took on Anthony Davis. I know he was hurt, but you know what? He he did a nice job against Drummonds and all those guys. He did. I thought he was excellent in, against uh, Jokic, who was the MVP. Okay, he was terrific, and he had another great series in the in in, in the, against the uh, against the Clippers there. So I expect him and this team 
to continue to prove that not only they deserve to be here, but that they can win it. I, I think Chris Paul in particular is playing with a sense of desperation that I really admire because you never know when you're going to get a chance. DeAndre Ayton and these guys, they're young. They don't know, right? This is, you know, this is their first – think about this, guys. This is their first playoff run, him and, and Devin Booker. Okay, what a great experience to the playoffs, right? They just go to the championship in their first go-around. Chris Paul knows this may be my last chance because he's had some heartbreaks and some heartaches throughout this process for him. So I think the sense of desperation that Chris Paul is going to play with is going to be at an all-time high. I think he, he knows he has an opportunity to win, and I don't think he's going to miss this opportunity. And, um, you know, but I think it's going to be a great series. But, you know, if you're asking me, I think Phoenix has the edge. Uh, and I think I expect them to win this series when it's all said and done. B.J. Armstrong joins us, the three-time champ with the Chicago Bulls. Like we said, knows a lot about uh, hoisting that trophy and the celebrations afterwards. And we're going to get one here in about a week and a half. It's the Suns and the Bucks in Game 1 will take place tonight. Game 1 in Phoenix home court advantage tonight. So how much do you think the home court advantage will play, even though that you know we're, we're finally starting to get back to, to full arenas and everything, and it's something really we haven't seen in, in the past two years? Well, the home court has certainly, I think, has came back into play this year in the playoffs. In the, in the bubble, I didn't know what was going on. Guys were just playing, shooting the ball, unbelievable I didn't know who the home team was, who was the visiting team was. Guys were just shooting the ball like, like, out of this world. I think now the the having the fans back in the building, playing at home in your home arena, I think it's coming back true to form. So I think home court will be will be you know will come into play. I think the fans in the building has come back into play, and I think it's more traditional in how you look at the game. So. Coaches will tend to play their benches a little shorter on the road, and I think the home team has an advantage, but you still have to go out and play the game. But it it certainly seems to be back to form with the players back at home in front of their home fans and playing back in their home arenas. You mentioned that when you were watching it last year in the bubble, sometimes you didn't know who the teams were. And this is kind of a non-basketball question, but yet sometimes when I'm watching the games today, I still don't know who the teams are. When I watched Milwaukee a couple of games ago, and they're wearing those blue uniforms with different uh, <laughs> the, the, the numbers and letters that are supposed to look like they're wet or something because of the water and what it symbolizes, which I don't know what that has to do with the deers and the bucks, which has always been green. But what do you think of all the different, every time you turn on the TV, half the time you have to relook and see what game you're watching because you don't even know what teams are on the court until you've seen a couple possessions and you're like oh okay that's Milwaukee because now I recognize the emblem on the front of the jersey and, and it's not only the colors but it's even the lettering and I know that you well, the lettering, me the, the day. team the, the so you have the Atlanta Hawks wearing MLK and there was some people thinking oh is that Milwaukee is that you know MLK <laughs> seriously people thought that and they go wait a minute no this is Martin Luther King but okay what I mean seriously we've gone backwards and this is a bigger a bigger pet peeve of mine as we go because you know traditionalists and we're seeing you know everybody do this the nfl the nba and even major league baseball and those baseball purists are getting irate now because you're messing even with the cubs and the giants and the yank well the yankees are staying true to form but it is it, it drives a loyal sports fan nuts bj it drives us nuts in the nba who knows one night the bucks are wearing their white okay at home we get that next thing like i said frank's they're wearing blue they're wearing green i, I don't can't figure it out and 
like it's like the Rainbow Coalition every other game. I don't know what jerseys I'm well, looking well, at. Well, thank goodness the uh, Utah Jazz aren't here. We don't have to look at those flaming hot Cheetos uh, uniforms anymore with that orange, red, and yellow. Are you kidding me? Utah's a pretty flaming hot city. I <laughs> know uh, it, it, it is hard. To, it's hard to. It's hard to keep up with these guys. Hey, hey just, seriously. Just, I'm just laughing. No, can no, you I, imagine? I, 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 yeah. Can you imagine? Okay, you're getting ready, and you're playing with the Chicago Bulls, those traditional Bulls uniforms, and you go into Chicago Stadium, and you go into your locker, and all of a sudden, you've got some orange jersey hanging. They go, oh, what are we wearing tonight? What is this? And you don't even have the Bulls you know, uh, letters on there. Maybe you got a character of Benny the Bull on there, and that's it. And your number is like, <laughs> you know, three inches uh, long. What would you do, BJ? Come on now. Yeah. Well, I would put that uniform on, and I'd go out there and play. You know, <laughs> hey, hey I, I, that's what I would do. I mean, it's part of the game, guys. It's part of the market. It's, it's just, I listened to you guys. It reminded me of my conversation as we were watching the game as a family, and my wife was like. Which team is Milwaukee? Because she, she didn't know. You know, she was like the MLK. She didn't know. And then my son, who's like 20, he's like, oh, dad, man, I got to buy one of those. So I was like, okay, the marketing works. But it's, 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 all, it's total confusion, right? But it, for the young people, they get an opportunity to buy and purchase and purchase new things. So I get it. I mean, it's working. I think people are buying. People get it. But us, you know, let's just say more, you know, uh, seasoned uh, fan base, we don't want change. We're just seasoned. We're, we're already set in our way. You, you, you can call it like it is. We're the old man on the lawn shaking his fist and everything going by. <laughs> and here's the thing. You can have that. I'm fine. Have, fill it up with your stores. Fill it up in your team store or the targets of the Walmarts of the world, but wear your traditional uniforms. Or, 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 just or, do that. Or, wear them in the warm-ups like they do someplace and then ox them off to a charity or yeah, something. You can do that too, exactly, but you know, fill them up with the stores and you can have a hundred different renditions but when you get on the floor and you lace them up come on man let's keep the tradition alive come on bj keep the tradition alive (laughs) well you know it's whatever you guys like it's your world i'm just here it's your world okay Uh, let's talk about the Giannis injury because obviously this is the story here uh he's listed listed as questionable it's a hyperextended left knee do you expect him to go tonight and if he does go tonight Talk a little bit about the injury. Is that something you've ever dealt with, a hyperextended knee? Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't to the extent that I saw, uh, no, nothing of, of that nature. But I, I would say that I don't know, even if he does play, like what percentage? What are we really expecting, you know, um, from that injury? I mean, it just looked, you know, I, I just thought the worst when I saw it. So thank goodness that that's all it is, is a hyperextended, uh, you know, left knee. But, um I don't know. I don't know where he's at. I'm sure he wants to play. I mean, but this is every athlete's dream is to have an opportunity to compete in the, you know, for the championship. And suddenly now he's injured and uh, he's played a big part for them having this opportunity to do that. And all of a sudden now, and knowing the type of competitor he is, I mean, for crying out loud, the guy walks back out onto the court after the injury. Okay, so you know what's in him. You know if there's any opportunity and any chance for him to play, he's going to give it a go. But I think you got to be smart with it. And, and um, you know, I, I just like the fact that it looks like he'll be able to resume his career sooner rather than later. Because, like I said, guys, that did not look good when, it, when I first saw it on, uh, on, on television. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks. This team hasn't trailed in, uh, since game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Uh, how important is it for the Bucks to get out to a quick start? 
Well, I, I think it's important for the Bucks to, to establish what they can do here in these first two games without Giannis. And, um, you know, these series take on different swings, you know, players come in, players get injured, and you have to figure out how to play against teams uh, with players and without players. I think the Phoenix Suns right now feel that they have to win these two games at home. So I expect them to come out here in these first two games because this is a quick turnaround for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's the one thing that, you know, that I don't think people are really talking about is this is a quick turnaround for Milwaukee, right? They won in Atlanta. They got to go back home, pack, and then get back out there to Phoenix. So this is going to be tough. I expect this to be a tough game for them in game one, right? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't all, I wouldn't be surprised if they get blown out in this game just because of all of the travel, all of the media requirements, all of the things they had to do. It's kind of a different rhythm. It's a different routine. Phoenix has kind of been there. It's kind of sitting down waiting. They've kind of, you know, relaxed a little bit, decompressed from the Western Conference Finals. And then I, I expect them to come out and play a little better at home. Uh, game two, I think if there's a game for Milwaukee to win, not saying that they can't win the game tonight, but I think if there's a game for them to win, I think it would be game two. They can kind of settle in, get over their, you know, their, their, their nerves and the jitters that they may have or may not have. And I think game two would be the game. So I expect Phoenix to come out and say, we got to win these two games. So, cause if they can win these two games, maybe get one there in Milwaukee, I think they will be feeling really good about their chances of finishing that thing out. But if they go back home, uh, there in, uh, in, in Phoenix. All right, my man. Uh, quick prediction, man. How long does this series go? Who's wins it? I, I think, I think I, I'm going with, uh, Phoenix and six. You know, I, I think this team is ready. I think, uh, I, I think Phoenix is ready to win. I think they have all of the pieces in place. I like their combination. And, and, and this guy, Devin Booker, Man, he's been terrific. You know, I know we've been talking about the three ball and we talk about the three-point shot, but this young man has been playing terrific in the in-between game, the mid-range game, and, um, you know, DeAndre Aiden. So I, I think Phoenix in six. If Giannis was healthy, I think I would go – if Giannis was healthy, I think I would go with Milwaukee. But as is right now today, I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns. All right, brother. We appreciate it. As always, BJ, we'll check in with you, man. Enjoy the game tonight. And uh, in the series. All right, take care, guys. There Thanks. he is, BJ Armstrong, three-time champ uh, with the Bulls in game number one tonight, the Bucks and the Suns. All right, we'll talk to Nick Bogdanovich next hour. We'll talk about where's the action going at the betting window with that as well. And when we come back, we're playing a little Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, a little golf Jeopardy. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you on this terrible Tuesday. Lorenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che Itaca! È il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Live! Boom! Boom! Shake, shake! The room! In the entertainment capital of the world! What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! The TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but. Oh,
prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. is now in. Hour number two on this Tuesday. Glad to have you with you. Glad to have you with us, I guess. Let's do that. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you. A little excited here. I mean, here my soccer open. Italy and Spain. Italia, Espana. Oh. Euro 2020. When did they change it back to penalty kicks? Say again? When did they change it back to penalty kicks? <laughs> they, they, they haven't. But it's, well, it's, they sure have on ESPN, my friend. So <laughs> we were talking about this the other day, about ball on the spot. And the in FIFA has made it a, a point of emphasis to say, call it ball on the spots because don't call it penalty kicks if you know they go beyond extra time and decide the match that way, which that happened in Italy's last match. Happen again today, and uh, where Italy wins 2-1. Actually, it's technically it's 1-1, and then Italy wins, I believe it was 4-3 on I, penalty I guess. thought it was 4-2. Four four Maybe three, it was 4-2. Four four I think yeah. it was 4-2, yeah. but whatever. 4-2 because they didn't get a chance to shoot. Yeah. Spain, Spain didn't get a chance to shoot at the end because it was already Because they'd already, already lost. Yeah, so congratulations to Italia. The only question is, I didn't see if they kept their shorts on or not. After the last victory, the shorts were off, thrown into the stands. Well, then you saw the important stuff. You saw who yeah. won the game. And w- why doesn't every goalie do what Italy's goalie does? He bounces all over the place on the line to try to stop those kicks and gets in the kicker's heads. The other guys just stand there like statues until they get to move. And that's why guys are putting him in the... This guy's stopping everything. That's why Italy advances. He's smarter than every other goalie out there. Well, other goalies are doing it too, but not to that extent. But what most of the goalies are doing is they're like just kind of keeping their feet like moving like this. Right, so but, they and, like but they're just leaning. He's yeah. literally bouncing yeah. up and down. If you yeah. go, oh, I'm here now, I'm here now. Yeah. He's getting in their heads. He's literally playing mental games. Yeah, there's a timing to that, as you know. I mean, they're, you know, he, if he's like jumping yeah. in, you know, guy... And so we saw... The game-winning goal from the ball on the spot, and the the Italian kicker just booted in, going about you know just rolling there because the guy already committed himself and he dove to his right. Right, and that's what the Italian yeah. goalie doesn't do as often because right. he is bouncing all over the place. And if you know what we're talking about, the goalkeeper during a ball on the spot right. or a penalty right. kick, as most people call it, you can't move forward. But as long as you stay on the line, you can move. You can move laterally. And this guy's bouncing all over and saying, if you go over here, I'm here now. I'm like, he, he's literally almost challenging him. And you can see the kickers trying to pick the spot and figuring out like how to, the shooting gallery, wh- what they have to shoot at. He's getting in their heads, and he's a big guy. So he's making a lot of saves. I mean, penalty kicks used to be like, you know what, 90% oh, or yeah. 85 or, yeah. This guy's stopping more than are getting past him. And that's why mm. if they go to penalties, Italy feels supremely confident. Mm. So at what point do we see the box score change to, like I said, it's like 1-1 and then Italy advances 4-2 PK, we always see. When do we get BOS? It's got to be coming, right? I, I don't know. 4-2 BOS. 
I, I don't know if we're going to have Paul on spot in, 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 the, in that or not. It's like anything, though. People still use old vernacular, the leagues or whatever. They try to change things. And, yeah, we know penalty kicks. Going to keep calling it penalty kicks. But I thought it was so funny because I'm watching these ESPN broadcasts, and they're saying, okay, it's ball on the spot, uh, but, you know, formerly known as penalty kicks. So they want us to call it ball on the spot, and they start calling it ball on the spot, but immediately we're going to penalty kicks. And well, do you think something? Maybe that has something to do with the fact that they started calling it ball on the spot, and people were calling up the novice fans, going, "What the hell are they saying? They're kicking penalties," and they might have reverted back to try to dumb it down, so to speak, or something to the novice fans out there that didn't know what they were talking about. Okay, people have grown up their whole life watching it. We're just going to call them penalties again. Yeah, it's, that's what we know it as, right? Ball on the spot, penalty kicks, whatever. Um, but uh, exciting game again today. So Italy advances on to the final against Spain. All right. I don't know how much you are into this or not. Uh, and it, it kind of caught up on us, even though we've been hearing a little bit of the hype because they've done a pretty good job marketing. The match, okay, and the match can go mean many different things. Are we talking tennis? Are we talking golf? Are we talking anything? Uh, boxing? What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the match as they – conveniently named it you know last year uh i believe it was like during the pandemic when they came out here to, to shadow creek and they and they did all the stuff with phil mickelson tiger woods and all that stuff right so now the match this year they wanted to go a little football tie into it so we've got phil mickelson and tom brady your tag team taking on bryson DeChambeau and aaron Rodgers. so today is the actual match it's happening as we speak right now in Big Sky, Montana, uh, for a whole bunch of money. Uh, they've got all kinds of, of different things going on, the closest to the pin, long drive on one hole. They're doing the whole skins game. It, it, it's pretty crazy. And I don't think anybody knows the rules, but all they know is it's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, basically on opposite teams, the first time since... They faced each other in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field with the Packers losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the famous fourth and eight, or fourth and goal, as we say, from the eight, and let's kick the field goal. Kick it. Kick right, it. Right, exactly. So uh, they're on the course right now, and uh, we'll talk to Nick Bogdanovich in, here in a little bit and ask him about the wagering, uh, if many people wagered on this. So is it live on TV right now, or they're taping it for later? Well, here's the deal. It, it, it's played right now, but I believe... It depends on what you have. Like, if you have, have like, just regular cable or TNT, you're going to watch it at 5 o'clock tonight. You know, but if you have East Coast feeds and all that stuff, then it, it, you can watch it right now at 2 o'clock. So, unless, you know, TNT is just going to replay it at 5 or who knows what. You know, they do that a lot, too. But, so, yeah, you can watch it now or you can watch it at 5 o'clock. Take your pick. But it's being played Well, my right pick now. is I'm not watching it. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, has gotten a lot of hype. Weird that it is on a Tuesday. Is Buck in, Power Paul in, watching it? Is he staying up to see the match? Because because Tom Brady's involved? Could be. But we didn't talk about this with Paul Buck Power no, Stewart. And, and, and that's England. what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, is he I mean, we know that he's got to stay up and watch more hockey now. So he probably wasn't all out. You know, he probably got to work on time this morning because he didn't have to celebrate. Well, we can ask Numchart to give him a call. It'll only be, what, 11-10 in bloody old England right now, right? There you go. So jolly old England. Jolly, bloody. But, but bloody old England sounds like a kind of a, 1945? a, a downer type of thing. What, is Jack the Ripper back? <laughs> <laughs> well, they always say blo uh, bloody, don't they? 
Well, they say bloody in a negative connotation, yeah. but when you're talking about a happy time, I think it's jolly old England. Well, I'm still upset with them for beating Germany, so they're bloody old England to me. <laughs> okay. Is well. all right? Okay. How about this bloody old match? This jolly old match? What would it be for you? Bloody or a jolly match? Who It'd knows? be a waste of time to me. There you but, go. You know, okay. There you I'm go. not the biggest Tom Brady fan, although I respect what he's done, and you know what I think of Aaron Rodgers. So. Yeah, yeah, it makes two of us. It is right. not must-see TV for me. All right. So I will say this. They did a pretty good job of promoting this and hyping this up. And, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been taking some, some shots at him from Brady and other people about you know, him hosting Jeopardy and that sort of thing, his contract dispute he's having with the Packers right now, whether he's going to show up for training camp or not. So uh, they did a nice little bit here with Jeopardy with these four guys. So we thought we would share it with you now. Tom, I'll start with you if that's okay. He's an NBA owner, a self-taught guitarist, and has guest starred in both The Office and Game of Thrones. Mm. He's unhappy with his boss and has no options. Who is Aaron Rodgers? Ding, ding, that is correct. Well done. That's a projection, Tom. I never said I'm unhappy with my boss. (laughs) I said it, not you. Aaron, he taught himself algebra at the age of six. He streams on Twitch under the handle TheBadOne23 and can sign his autograph backwards with his left hand. Bill, are you on Twitch? I don't think, I think that's my teammate, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. That would be correct. Well done. Bryson, this is one, this one's for you here. Oh boy. He was a four-time All-America selection, has the middle name Alfred, and is right-handed. Oh, my gosh. I got no idea. Um, I'm taking a complete guess on this. I don't know why. No way it's my partner. Who is Aaron, who is Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. It is, who is Phil Mickelson, actually? Did no you know Phil, Phil was right-handed? Phil, you never told me that, you son of a gun. Bryson, I got a, I got some news for you. I hate to tell you this. Phil doesn't like you. Okay. <laughs> I love Bryson. What are you talking about? I love the guy. I, I didn't know that. See, I'd be terrible at Jeopardy. I'm more of a Wheel of Fortune guy. Oh, sorry, Aaron. No, that's not a knock on Aaron at all. Mm, teammate infighting already. I don't like it. Okay, give what me we a break. want. It's what we want. Division from within. Oh, I want to talk trash to somebody in this group, so if it has to be Bryson, so be it. <laughs> I got I got one more question. This is for Phil. Phil, the answer to the question is, we're looking for the question, but the answer is, he led the New England Patriots to six Super Bowls, architect of one of the greatest dynasties in the history of sports, and is known far and wide as the GOAT. Tom Brady is the GOAT. They also call him the man. They, both seem to apply and uh, he's also my partner and I love it most importantly can you uh, form your answer in the phrase of a question honestly question is who is the goat but also known as the man and time's up yeah (laughs) 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 
<laughs> that wasn't double jeopardy. We'd be broke. Are you are you saying who is Tom Brady? I am saying who is Tom Brady. Ooh, no, Phil. I'm sorry. That would be Bill Belichick. <laughs> I don't know how'd that go, Aaron. I know I like you had. There's a little style oh. when you go in with the incorrect answer. You don't want to shame the guy, but you also want to make sure you get it right. And Aaron was a he was amazing, by he, the way. He was, and, and just like just like pounds. everything else, he does. I know, Bill. You probably didn't you probably didn't watch it. It's a little too intelligent for you, but um, <laughs> uh, but thank you, Tom. There it is, and Aaron Rodgers playing the role of the heel. He's basically playing himself there. Well, you know, typecasting. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about typecasting. You know, yeah, that's the but, guy. That's but, the guy that I want hosting Jeopardy, Mister Personality. He was horrible hosting Jeopardy. But then again, I'm skewed because Did any of those I don't other care guys, for him anyway. Have any of those other guys ever watched Jeopardy? They don't even know how to form the question or whatever, and he he takes forever to form the question and not give the answer. Even though it was the wrong answer, even though it was the right answer, but they made it the wrong answer for, you know, for editing purposes. But, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, it wasn't really great. <laughs> How about the, uh, the, the final answer there? Bill Belichick. And that's true because they said the architect. See? The, he was the architect right. of that. So, yeah, Tom Brady was just one of the performers. Exactly. You know? he, he, he played the lead role. Right, right. But but is Bill Belichick known as the greatest coach ever? I mean, is he unquestionably the GOAT? I mean, he probably should be with all of his accomplishments, but I haven't necessarily heard everybody say that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. If you're going by trophies and rings, he probably he is. And then again, modern time, people tend to skew things right. more and, and I'm saying he time. probably should be, but yeah. I haven't necessarily heard people with Brady now, especially now that he's won in Tampa Bay as well, now everybody just that's it. Argument over, it's done. But I'm not sure that Belichick gets that same love and respect by everybody out there. I mean, there's still people that will say Lombardi way back in the yeah, day I'm or saying, something. You know, who, uh, who else would you say? I mean, Lombardi, not not enough titles. Hallis, definitely not enough ta- titles. Well, not uh, not Super Bowls. You know, I mean, they Super had Bowls championships, right. but before exactly. there was a Super Bowl, right. you know, some people think there was a pretty good job done in San Francisco years ago. Yeah. Say Bill Walsh, no question about it. You know, you know Tom I mean, Landry, again, again, I, I do think yeah. that the correct answer should be Belichick. I'm just not really, and I think, and I know that they were just having fun with that, and that's why they did it to try to make it look like it was Brady and kind of throw him off course. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in in a reality based situation, I haven't necessarily heard everybody say that because I think there's so many. You think there's Brady haters out there? There's a lot of Belichick haters out there. Yeah, of course, but that all goes with the personality, okay? And that's why Aaron oh, Rodgers doesn't win people over because of his lack of personality. And Belichick with his short answers, and again, he's, yeah. you know... But, Mr. Hoodie, Mr., yeah. you know, I mean, whatever but, shot you want to take. It but it's like all these guys that, that are like that, that have that type of personality. Bill Lambeer is a perfect example as well. If you know Bill Lambeer, you know, he he's, has that staunch... You know, personality is not going to be really outgoing, but he does have this kind of fun, sarcastic side uh, of humor. And we've heard a little bit of that. You know, we get him to open up, you know, here on the show. But there's a lot of people that, that don't get him and understand him. And they think, oh, this guy's just a sourpuss. And they remember him from his playing days. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what they confuse a lot of yes. times. They think the player or like in Hollywood, the actor is the right. role they're playing. Right. Bill Lambert was playing a role when he was on the basketball court. He was the big guy. He did a lot of things. He did what it took in his skill set to win NBA championships, and he did that pretty damn well. 
and he made a lot of enemies doing it. It doesn't mean that's his personality off the court. Right. And back to Belichick, here's a guy that you see in the press conferences, you see him on the sideline. Then, of course, their teams or their organization has been involved in a couple scandals. So, you know, he's going to take shots for that. So that's going to diminish his personality persona. But... If you've ever seen him, say, in the middle of the summertime on a golf course or you've seen, like, a couple HBO specials where he's hanging out, like, with Nick Saban and stuff, you go, hey, this this guy's pretty cool. I mean, he's got these little one-liners. He's got, like, the sarcastic sense of humor. And players actually love him because they see that side of him. So, But the general public, they just look at the success of the Patriots. They see the scowl on his face. It's like... Oh yeah, that guy's—he's a miserable guy, you know. And that's—it's really not the case. You know, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting about that little bit, and we've seen it all leading up to this, because we've heard Brady take a couple shots about the fourth down play, like you mentioned, with kicking the field goal, and not that that was Aaron Rodgers' decision, and he certainly doesn't like it either. But I kind of wondered a little bit. It's like, and again, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. There's no secret about that. But I am kind of wondering, it's like, how come all the jabs are at Aaron Rodgers and nothing at Brady? Why wasn't there something about, oh, well, you know, are, are your balls properly inflated or something since you've gone down to Florida? You know, nothing was at Tom Brady necessarily as far as the barbs and the jabs and that kind of stuff. Was that because Brady wouldn't handle it as well? Was it because now he is a little bit more beloved because he won out of New England or they just don't like Rodgers that much? But I did find – because there's definitely enough material that you could have kind of yeah. – like when, when Brady said something about Rodgers, Rodgers could have come back with something else about Brady. Right, and I think it's two, two factors, two answers to that. Number one is the timeliness of it all. Brady is in the good light. Brady is is fun. He makes the talk show circuit. He does all these oh, things. He's he, like America's quarterback. He, from go, from being the villain in New England, now he's, that he's won someplace else as well, now it's like, oh, and then he got drunk right. on the boat, too, with right. his wife and family. He's, he's Mr. Family Guy. He, he, he became Jake the Snake from heel to hero. Right. He's got that personality. He's got that fun personality that, that people are seeing. And the second part is, it's the timing of where is it now? Aaron Rodgers right now going through this nonsense with the Packers. I mean, he is the heel because he's not showing up. It when, you know, he's he had the losses, you know, after press conferences. He doesn't handle the media well. People still remember, you know, when they they lost the fail Mary as they like to call it to Seattle. Okay, with the re- replacement refs. I mean, how he how he was then, how he was, you know, he's went through a couple of different breakups. You know, he's bounced around from w- you know, women to women. And then Tom's got the gorgeous Giselle. I mean, I think it's all of those factors. You know, one guy's a winner. One guy's really not so much of a winner. In, in, in modern time now is everyone is like, hey, Brady, you know, you, you've kind of warmed on us. You did it with another team. You won, you know, away from New England. And, you know, let, let's see you play another year or two. So I, I just think all of those factors factor into it. And plus, Aaron Rodgers does come across and is – you know, pretty much a miserable guy. Well, he's pompous, he's arrogant. And in he, you that know. bit, you just heard it right there. Oh, for who sure. Who was the most negative guy of the five guys? You had the host and then the four golfers. Who by far was the most negative personality there? Well, not only the most negative, but it's pretty obvious that although he's in this the match, as they're calling it, he really doesn't even know DeChambeau because he, had, he, yeah. he, he couldn't even really pronounce his name. Right. Right. Like a Bryson D. Shem. I mean, yeah. It's like he's trying to read it off the cue card or something. It's like, dude, this is your partner. You've been building this thing up a little bit. 
Maybe you just hosted Jeopardy because you're so much more intelligent than everybody else. Maybe you should know your partner's name. Yeah. Just because a guy happens to enjoy Jeopardy and, and people may believe that he's pretty good at it doesn't mean that you should be hosting Jeopardy. Okay? That you you need a personality. You need to be able to speak well. You need to be able to to carry yourself a certain way. And he doesn't check any of those boxes. Well, no, and, and you, you've got to make it fun for the contestants and the yeah. listeners. Yeah. You know, you, you can't be condescending. You can't talk down to people. You can't be like, well, I'm Mr. Jeopardy now. And it's like Alex Trebek, one of the things that made him, in my opinion, the greatest game show host ever was because he was intelligent enough and he knew everything, but he also made it fun for everybody else. He made a learning experience, and he wasn't afraid when he would get something wrong. He also wasn't afraid to, even if somebody was like a five-time champ or something, if they missed something that he thought was easy, to kind of look at him like, how the hell did you miss that one or whatever? He made it fun for everybody. He included everybody in it. He wasn't a stuffed shirt. I'd be curious to see what the ratings for Jeopardy have been since Alex has passed away. Yeah, yeah. Because I know they've tried a lot of different co-hosts. I used to watch Jeopardy all the time. If I happen to see it on now, I'll turn it on. But it's certainly far from must-see TV for well, me. More importantly, everything that you said, though, the, the guy's a broadcast pro, and, and that's it. I mean, Anderson Cooper isn't a broadcast pro. I mean, it's hard to watch No, he's a news on guy, CNN. and once a year he does a, a, the, the ball drop on New Year's Eve. Right. You know, again, but he, he's hosting you know things on CNN that again aren't real pleasing. You know, to what he's not a broadcast pro; he's a journalist, and, and he's also got a lot of people that don't like him, especially in today's narrative right. because of the you know your Fox News or your CNN or your MSNBC mm-hmm. because there's already a negative. I don't really know that Alex Trebek had you know half the country not liking him before he took the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the coach situation since you brought it up, and let's say of. The, the top coaches of all time, who, who would that be? Who would it be Bill Belichick? And I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll just throw off some names here, and you tell me where you'd put him, say, in your top ten. Uh, obviously, you know, Vince Lombardi, would you put him at, at number one, or would you put him at number two? Because you look at a guy who's had 738, regular, uh, a 738 winning percentage during the regular season. Of course, you know, he won those, those first two Super Bowls, with the Packers and won NFL championships, you know, prior to that. But a lot of people consider Vince Lombardi because the trophy's named after him as well, too, as maybe number one. But Belichick, by far, has more Super Bowl trophies. Where would you put Lombardi? Well, I would have to look at Lombardi's entire before Super Bowls and that. How many championships did they win leading up to that before it was officially called the Super Bowl? Uh, he was instrumental, you know, becoming an assistant coach and then working his way up and coaching for the Giants and other things, too. I don't know exactly where I'd put him without looking at the whole list and trying to figure okay. everything out. But, but he would be behind the list, even though I do have the personal dislike for him. I, I can't deny what he did on the football field. How about Don Shula? I mean, a lot of people say he's the greatest. Don Shula, I, I thought, did a tremendous job. Of course, had the only team that ever went undefeated for an entire season, won that Super Bowl. And a lot of people maybe don't remember that, you know, Bob Greasy, his superstar quarterback, didn't play a good part of that season. And then he actually made the choice to put him in in the big game when some people thought that was controversial because he hadn't played. So Shula certainly um, had a, a had a dynasty down there. I'd put him up there high, but uh, I also think it had a lot to do with the team. He he might be in the top ten, but I don't think he'd be like in my top four or five. 
Maybe he would have. Again, I'd have who to look be, at the list. Who would you put ahead of Shula? Would I mean, put, I would put would George Hallis up there. Now, part of that is my and, – and again, right. although I think he made a lot of bad decisions, George Hallis helped, helped revolutionize the game of football. He brought the T formation there, the forward pass, different things, getting guys like Bronco Nagurski and different, different things that were going on. So I, I think George Hallis was instrumental in him and Vince Lombardi and the rivalry that the Bears and the Packers had when they were both good and relevant teams, I think that was important to the growth of the NFL and everything else that uh, that they brought to it. So I do think Hallis, once the Super Bowl started, the Bears weren't winning them. But before that time, the Bears and the Packers pretty much dominated the league. How about Chuck Knoll? See? Chuck Noah, I, I could see up there. He's got, and he's got four titles. Yeah, I mean, and certainly he had phenomenal Undefeated teams as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Chuck Noah was one that I was going to bring up. He would be on my list of people there. A, a guy like a Hank Stram might even be there, although he wasn't winning all the time. He, he brought legitimacy to the AFC and got them in Super Bowls and then did win some in that. So, you know, I mean, he was another guy that maybe doesn't get the love in that that uh, he deserves a little bit. But, you know, it, it, it's tough to see because we do look at just – like we said, Belichick has the most championships, so he must be the GOAT. Not everybody had, uh, especially before free agency in that, when you could build teams. If you had a great team already in place, you were kind of set for a long time back in the old days. You know, people want to talk about Bill Walsh. They got to remember Bill Walsh was only a coach for 10 years. But he had an incredible run during during that short time, and he had he had some great teams and got the West Coast offense and right. innovated the game in his way in that. And and again, certainly none of these guys on this list are there without a plethora of yeah. talent that they're getting to coach. Bill Walsh le- won less than a hundred regular season games too. Think about that. That's but, that's but, incredible. But but consider you know. But a lot, a lot of those were the old fourteen game seasons too, yeah, right? Correct. Yeah. So. And you can go way back with Chuck Knoll, some of those you know teams in the same. Yeah, and, and Hallison Hallis Lombardi. I mean, they, they Tom, were the yeah, you know Tom the, Landry's or, another guy. Yeah, they, they were old twelve game seasons back yeah, then. Yeah, you know, some people might throw Paul Brown in there or something. I was gonna say Paul Brown, Curly Lambeau. You can even throw maybe Joe Gibbs is in a top ten. Because Joe Gibbs accomplished quite a bit, too, with those Redskin teams. Joe Gibbs, you could actually make the argument, was he more successful as a football coach or a NASCAR? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he he's taken two completely different sports and pretty much dominated both of them yeah. while he was there for yeah. his tenure. And Bill Walsh probably gets a lot of credit for developing other head coaches as well, too. The famous Walsh tree with all those you know, guys that coached underneath him. So, But uh, a lot of people don't realize, yeah, Walsh did not coach that long. Some great teams, and and, and, and again, he, he, but he kind of knew when it was up and when it was time for him to step aside. Mm. And some of these guys, he's keep on bouncing from place to place. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's a tough thing, but um, I would say that I don't know how you don't make Belichick the goat. But again, I, I that's why I just thought it was interesting when they did that in that little Jeopardy skit there because. I don't necessarily ever hear people say that all the time because I really, as much as people don't like Tom Brady, I think there's more people that don't like Belichick deep down. Yeah, and again, I think for those reasons that we discussed, no doubt. But and again, like even at least Brady will like he'll acknowledge the Deflate Gate or the video, and you know he'll kind of make fun of it. Belichick just kind of ignores it, like. Hey, we have the rings, and I don't give a damn what any of you think about anything. You're not taking that away from me, and, you know, basically screw you. Yeah, and, you know, you know time does heal everything. And, again, I think Tom Brady always handled that uh, pretty much with class, the whole deflate gate. But, again, I mean, if this 
competition or that Jeopardy bit you know, happened five or six years ago, no question about it. People would be taking shots at Tom Brady oh my because, God, yes. because they did. But to his credit, being very, very smart and being very media savvy, again, and that goes a long way with the general public. You know, when you're talking about football fans, I mean, they want they want to like people that are media savvy, that are fun guys. Terry Bradshaw, same type of thing. I mean, right after Terry Bradshaw retired, I mean, he was he was loved by everybody. Still is loved today and, in and his he's old not, age because Ter- he's on TV every week. But he but he's you know he makes fun of himself. Well, and, Terry, and Brady could do that too. And Terry, and that's the thing. Brad, Bradshaw's not afraid to make fun of himself. He kind of embraces it. And I think now too, because like you mentioned. With Tom Brady going down to Tampa Bay, with winning the Super Bowl down there, and now that he's been around so long, now it's even a nicer story. Now people bring up the sixth-round draft pick thing, the this and that, you know, the stuff that, you know, oh, well, he came in and they didn't even know. I mean, Bledsoe was there, and what were they going to do? So, But they stuck with him, and he became the quarterback, and he's always used a chip on his shoulder. You know, now, now they look at the whole story and cycle of it, whereas the people that just couldn't stand him just in New England – Never wanted to give him props for anything. All right. So uh, Tom Brady's partner today, Phil Mickelson, they're in the match in Big Sky, Montana. Phil Alfred Nicholson. You like that? Nicholson, yeah. Right-handed, which I knew. The guy's right-handed. He knew golf's left-handed. Yeah, I knew that. I did not know his middle name was Alfred. So, uh, yeah, Phil Mickelson, he was uh, getting ready earlier today. And uh, here's here's his game plan for today's match. Being aggressive, hitting bombs. Why is that important? Well, because you've got to hit bombs off the tee, and that's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs. <laughs> he was. Tom Brady's going to throw bombs. Phil Mickelson's going to hit him. What's the elevation there? I mean, it could be it's high. It's it big be, sky, baby. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. so, so again, it's, it's probably bombs away even more because of the elevation and everything else. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how, how this plays itself I, Since out. they were going to a high elevation place, I kind of wish that they were doing it in Denver outside of a course there, yeah. especially with all the Rogers stuff, because then you'd be getting oh, all that geez. talk as well. Yeah. It would add just more stupidity to the stupid, the match. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, when we come back, Nick Bogdanovich at William Hill, he is going to join us. We talk NBA Finals, Euro 2020. NBA Finals, hitting bombs. Yeah, hitting bombs, <laughs> all of that stuff with Nick B next. The TC Martin Show. Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. in. We'll get ready for the NBA Finals game number one tonight. The Suns and the Bucks. A little bit different, huh? No Warriors, no Lakers, no LeBron James. Hmm. I wonder how the TV ratings are going to do for this. That will be interesting. Don't have you know, a couple mid-market sizes with Phoenix uh, in Milwaukee. And again, two teams that are not used to be playing in July. Do you think it means more to one city than it does to the other? Because I know Suns fans are really excited and stoked that they're back in the championship in that. But, I mean, it's been a long, long time for the Bucks as well. No, I mean, they love their basketball in Milwaukee. And again, when I was living back there, the Bucks were never never good you know during the early 2000s even up until the last few years and people would still go to the games i mean they would still drive through the snow and go in there in november and december and january nights to, to support the bucks and they would still get you know 15 16,000 there uh, it's amazing but you have a lot of those people and it makes sense especially back in wisconsin those same packer fans or buck fans and brewer fans and the traditionalists and they they hang on to the tradition university you know, of wisconsin fans yeah, they just, they love they love everything from the state of wisconsin they, they do they just love it and they will go support and they are going 
going ballistic. And so when the Bucks have been good the last couple seasons, I mean, yeah. And if you've seen uh, the shots from outside of the arena in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, again, you you saw ten thousand fans, you know, outside of. Uh, of the arena there in, in downtown Milwaukee. And downtown Milwaukee has a, a really a couple nice areas there. Really nice areas there by the lake, good restaurants and, and all that sort of thing. And yeah, and people will be out there again tonight on a beautiful July night. So uh, they'll be watching the games. So yeah, I, you know, I think of both because I remember those Suns team. We go back to the Alvin Adams days, Gar Herd, the, you know, uh, the battle in that 75 76, you know, series against uh, the Boston Celtics. And then, you know, when Barkley was there, Kevin Johnson was there, of course. Course, you know the you know early 90s and those teams didn't get it done but they were good they were competitive and I remember driving through Phoenix and seeing people paint their driveways purple and orange I remember seeing that stuff so I, I remember yeah. I think it was Dan Marley used to have a restaurant back there and they said oh yep. everything's Still served does. on trays tonight because he's just he's bombing away from the three-point line yeah yep. that's very true all right Nick Bogdanovich will find out who's bombing away at the sports book as we talk finals Nick what's going on buddy Nothing but just watching a little golf. I know we're uh, we're talking about that too. Now, so let's uh, talk about the match with Brady and Mickelson and Rogers and DeChambeau. Uh, were people going to the window to, to bet this thing today, or what kind of handle did you see? Yeah, no, a uh, very good handle. Uh, you know, if it's on TV and it's pretty much in a window by itself, which I guess it's going to overlap some baseball. But yeah, no, there was plenty of action on this match. We need uh, we need the favorite pretty good. All right, and, and tell us uh, who the favorite is and what, 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 what was that line. Well, I know the favorite was Rodgers and DeChambeau, but what was the number? Yeah, DeChambeau and Rodgers were open about $1.80, got bet down to about $1.65. So they bet the dog. They bet a little to win a lot, and, you know, they like back and Phil Mickelson. So, yeah, we're rooting for DeChambeau and Rodgers. What what kind of handle? I know you said you took some pretty good handle, Nick. But what about some some large bets? Were there some large six figure bets on this? I mean, this is an exhibition. I mean, people are really trying to handicap this thing, or is it just like, hey, this is play money? Yeah, no, there was no that, uh, bets of that size. I think the biggest bet we took was like uh, ten thousand on it. Okay, all right. And what's your limit for? What was your limit for this on this? There there wasn't a limit. Uh, if someone would have brought a. They probably would have bet. They could bet whatever they want on something goofy like this. This is purest form of gambling there is. That is true. And you'll take all comers, right? You'll take all action. Well, we did. I mean, we had someone bet two hundred thousand on Italy in regulation. So yeah, we do. We do take pretty much, uh, you know, a lot of big wagers. But it, it, on this, I don't know how you can handicap it. So it is like flipping coins. So I mean, like I said, there. Who knows what the line should or could have been, but. Uh, you know, we we didn't turn any bets away on that. That's for sure. Has, has there been a lot of in match wagering then, or something like that? Since you, like you said, you can't handicap it. Did people maybe wait a couple holes to get a feel for what they saw out there, and then they try to figure out right, now I can start handicapping it because I kind of see how it's going. Yeah, there's no doubt we're booking it in uh, live, so the price is always changing. So I'm, I'm sure we're writing plenty of bets in play. All right, Nick Bogdanovich at William Hill. So you you mentioned uh, Italy and Spain today, Nick. I mean, it was I was pretty close, I guess, to a pick. I mean, Italy a, a, a slight favorite, but you talk about a coin flip. You, you know, when you get these these matches, and we're seeing them going to ball in the spots or slash penalty kicks, uh, it kind of almost seems like a sucker's bet taking Italy in regulation, even though they had a one nothing lead, and then what uh, Spain scored in in the eighty fifth minute. 
I mean, don't you view some of these matches? Obviously, you know, England was a heavy favorite, you know, the other day over Ukraine. But with a lot of these matches, especially in these two semifinals, especially this semifinal game today, I mean, it is kind of a pick 'em. Well, that game I watched every second of. It was those two teams were very even. Uh, Spain might even have had a little out of bed, a little the better of the play, but. Yeah, it was a coin flip. Either way, it was high-quality soccer. I mean, it stinks that after that long a time you're tied and you got to settle it on penalty kicks, but I guess you really have no option because the guys are going to drop dead from exhaustion if you keep playing. So it uh, went to penalty kicks. Italy moves on, and now they get the winner of uh, England and Denmark. When you see Italy go to penalty kicks, because we've talked about it here a bit, the goalie of Italy, the way he bounces around and he seems to make more saves than he gives up goals, which isn't necessarily the norm, is Italy then a favorite when it comes to a position like that because people have seen him and what he's done in the past? Uh, He was a massive man, I know that. The other guy was big and tall and athletic too, not as tall as the Italy guy. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't follow it well enough to know which team... Would would do better in penalty kicks. It's probably quite random, and uh, I mean I don't know if they they're in enough national teams or in enough you know you have enough data from four years ago. I mean I I don't see how they could you know yeah I, I would say there's probably some price you could put on it, but who. Who, who, if someone tells you they have a definitive price, they're lying to you. Right, right. <laughs> All right, uh, what kind of action are you seeing for England-Denmark? And that's going to be some one-sided action, or are you getting some dog money there? Yeah, we're going to need, we're gonna need uh, England big. I mean, Denmark big. They're, England's the favorite. They're at home. Uh, there's no question. It's only a matter for how much we're going to need England. I mean, Denmark. I keep saying England, but right. I'm doing nine things at once. I'm booking right now, taking bets, and <laughs> trying to do a radio show. But, yeah, no, we're going to need Denmark big. All right, Nick. Uh, let's talk a little NBA. we got game number one tonight. How close have you been monitoring this situation, especially with the the situation with uh, Giannis uh, now being upgraded to questionable? Uh, talk about that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he shows up. Uh, and if he does show up, is he going to play like all the other injured guys, like Trey Young, who had a horrible game seven or not? So, and if it's only for 10, 15, 20 minutes, who knows? Uh, we opened five and a half, went to six. When there was news that he got upgraded uh, today, we went to five and a half. Uh, but now it's all back to six. So the money's for Phoenix. So uh, the better sure don't believe uh, the Greek Freak's going to be there tonight. When it comes to uh, this finals, I know a lot of people fell in love with Phoenix right after they beat the Lakers. Have they kind of been like the public team ever since that series leading into this? And is there any kind of, uh, you know, that it, it, would that be a bad thing for you if the Suns up, end up winning the whole thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, we lose with Phoenix and win real good with Milwaukee. So we're, de- we're definitely big Milwaukee fans. I'd say the Phoenix has been public for a lot longer than that. Uh now, they ran into the Lakers in game one and two, and the Lakers are the Lakers, so we needed the Suns in those games. But before that, regular season, they were the one seed. People bet them to win the division. They bet them to win the conference. They bet them to win it all. Uh, they bet them in a lot of the playoff games. So other than those first two games against the Lakers, I'd say the Suns have been public uh, pretty much all year. All right, uh, Nick Bogdanovich over at William Hill. So the Suns, where's that number sit for game number one tonight, Nick? Is it still around five and a half? Yeah, six. Phoenix is six right now. The total two nineteen and a half. 
Okay. And uh, we, we've seen some high-scoring games here in the playoffs. And when we look at these two teams, you know, Phoenix beat the Bucks on two occasions this year. The one in Phoenix was 125-124. And the one in Milwaukee was 128-127. That spells big time over to me, Nick. Yeah, especially if the Greek freak isn't out there. I think the game flows a little more with him out. He's a defensive stopper and does post-ups. I think it it moves a little faster with him out. So I I would agree. I would only go over. And they have. We opened this thing 217. It's up to 219.5. And going back to Phoenix about being a public team, it seems very strange for the Phoenix Suns to be a public team, especially when two years ago they were 19-63. and They've been a doormat you know, for the last decade plus. And they really don't, aside from Chris Paul, they don't have any of those household name type of guys. You know, people really, you know, Devin Booker, okay. I mean, he's, he's built a nice little resume, you know, over the last couple seasons. But DeAndre Ayton, I mean, people, you know, here in Vegas, you know, know, you know, know him a little bit because of his time at University of Arizona. But outside of that, I mean, again, this isn't a veteran-laden team outside of Chris Paul who's 36 years old. No, young team. Uh, obviously, the... Last year in the bubble, they went undefeated and got all sorts of confidence. And then, you know, went out and got Chris Paul, and he's made all the difference. A young, talented team. He's their leader and shown them how to win, and it's just snowballed. And they've caught every break in the world playing teams with their best player out. Uh, looks like they're going to do it for all four rounds for some extent. So, But hats off to Phoenix. They're just uh, playing great basketball. I'd love to see them do it. Even though these aren't two of the bigger markets, they're middle to small market teams by NBA standards. How has the handle been on this? Has it has it made a difference, or because it's the NBA final, is everybody still jumping on it, just like it was the Lakers in Philadelphia or somebody else? No, the handle's very good. Uh, would it be stronger if it was Lakers and Nets? Yes, but it's still big. I mean, people are involved. They're betting the props, betting to win in four, win in seven. Uh, First quarter, first half, second half, uh, best of seven. So, yeah, no, the handle is very, very good. uh, But, like I said, if Brooklyn or or the Lakers win, it would be bigger. You know, as important as the three-point line is in the NBA, and especially with these teams, you know, going crazy and, and shooting everything from beyond there, uh, and the Bucks are famous for putting up, you know, 40, 45 a game. Is that a prop that has been getting some attention or some action, like total three-pointers made by either one team or the other or combined? Yeah, we got combined. Most, the, the prop is three-pointers made in the game. I think we opened at 24. It's up to 24 and a half. So they, they tend to bet the props like they do the game, favorite and over. So they bet over in these props, over, over, over. So, uh, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they averaged about 25, 25 and a half regular season. They've only averaged about 22, 22 and a half postseason. Postseason usually slows down because defense is actually allowed in, in the postseason. <laughs> uh, regular season, it's optional. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, it's a pretty high total, 220, and they went over 24. So with the NBA Finals, do you increase the number of props, you know, like you do with a, you know, with football and the Super Bowl where you got, you know, more and more options here than you would say a, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, there is. I mean, there's four or five players on each team, first to 15, total three-pointers made, largest lead, couple point spread props, things like that. A few more, but uh, do they get – they don't get action like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is just like a – on a level 52 billion times more, it's just incredible. But 
We do we do plenty of business on the NBA props. As far as the series price right now, Nick, uh, how big of a favorite is Phoenix? Uh, minus two twenty, take back one ninety. So uh, you know, pretty good two to one favorite. I mean, obviously it's going to change with as soon as we know more about the Greek Freak's health. That's the bottom line. I mean, he's just too big of a piece. Uh, MVP, young kid, the leader of that team. So is it? You know, if they're competitive tonight. And he plays a little and shows like he's going to come back. Even if they lost, uh, the price won't go up that much. But, but if Phoenix blows him out and he looks hobbled, this thing, this thing will go through the roof. You know, it's interesting because when it comes to the playoffs, it seems like in almost every sport, a lot of people always talk about how important experience is. And Milwaukee's been there for a few years. They haven't quite been to this level. Phoenix is kind of a newcomer to the show. Like you mentioned, last year they had a nice run in the bubble a little bit. But why do you think it is that Phoenix is such a big favorite when they don't necessarily have the experience? Do people just not care about that as much? Or is it just because they love this team so much that it's like, the hell with it. Milwaukee hasn't gotten there before. We're all jumping on the bandwagon of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Like I said, Phoenix drawing money all year long. I mean, people just have gotten on them, and they've been good to them. So they're just going to keep it up. They're just going to keep riding them and riding them until they disappoint them. All right, final thing for you, Nick. Uh, NHL last night we thought uh, the season would be over, but Montreal showed up uh, with, with a victory. What kind of handle have you been seeing in the Stanley Cup Finals so far? Solid, not great. Uh, obviously, we wish the Golden Knights were there. We'd be doing about four or five times more on each game, and obviously the whole town would be electric. But, yeah, decent. Uh, Montreal pulled one out, even though, they, you know, they look like they're on life support. Uh, Lightning are still a 30-to-1 favorite to win it all. Uh, so they're going back, and we'll see if uh, Montreal can do the ultimate uh, rabbit uh, getting out of the trap. I just, uh, you know, Tampa just looks – so much faster and so much better, but we'll see what happens. That's that's why they play him. And I, I can imagine that you're going to get nothing but one side and money on the Lightning tomorrow. I mean, how bad are you going to need Montreal? I mean, can you make a line big enough here? Uh, yeah, we'll definitely need Montreal in this game. But when when the price gets as high as it is, which Montreal uh, Tampa is a minus two twenty favorite, uh, the the majority of the public bets will be on minus one and a half. Right. So they'll. They would rather lay a goal and a half and take a quarter than lay the 220. So uh, Tampa can win, and if they only win by one, we'll still be all right. All right, my man. We'll let you uh, get back to it. Appreciate the time as always. All right, guys. Have a great week. You too. There he is. Nick Bogdanovich over at William Hill booking it all from the Stanley Cup Finals to the NBA Finals, Major League Baseball, the match with Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson against Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau going on as we speak right now in Big Sky, Montana. And, uh, of course, uh, Euro 2020 uh, getting a lot of handle because you've got basically four very popular teams that are in the semifinals. And now uh, today Italy defeats Spain. And a lot of people thought, oh, that could have been, you know, maybe should have been the final. But uh, England will get its uh, turn tomorrow as they take on Denmark. And like you said, they're going to need Denmark. And Denmark could pull the upset there. This this Denmark team, remember, that is the team in the in the, in the the first round, you know, of uh, – of the knockout stage where the player had the heart attack and they're still playing. And, and, and they're riding that. And I mean, they've riding, definitely yeah. used that as something to rally and cry, and the whole team and country have, have rallied around that. And some other people who's, who's maybe their team has been knocked out or, uh, you know, they've also kind of made Denmark that, uh, you know, that favorite or that, you know, 
that feel-good pick or whatever. And you mentioned England. Uh, there's one other thing going on. There's a little tennis tournament going on in England right now, too, which is also getting some action. Probably not as much because the Americans, once again, haven't fared that incredibly well there. But uh, uh, obviously, you know, I've been watching a lot of Wimbledon as well. So, and wow, it looks like Federer and Djokovic might be on a crash course again to meet in the finals. You think? These, these youngsters <laughs> just can't beat these guys. Yeah. No, it seems like, again, to people, that maybe the novice tennis person, it's like these guys, these two guys, and like everybody else, especially on the men's side right now. That's yeah, what it seems and, like. and, and Nadal going out this year and Federer having injuries right. coming in, they thought that, well, this was going to be the year Djokovic and maybe one of these, but Federer's been rolling over there. I mean, just playing great. All right. Uh, part of our Terrible Tuesday, we had talked about uh, Shikari Richardson, uh, you know, being basically – disqualified because of her positive marijuana uh, test. Yeah, suspended well, for a sus- while. Sus- suspended for the 100 meters. Well, uh, you know, first it was going to be three months, then it was one month, and thought, okay, maybe she could still run in the Olympic Games, but disqualified from the 100 meters because that was going to be within a 30-day window. So there was hope, or at least she was hoping, that they would, you know, maybe let her run in any events past the 30 days, and that would be the 4x100-meter relay. Well, uh, just announced that uh, she will not run at the Tokyo Olympics period after she was being left off of the U.S. relay team. So I think, uh, you know, this story, you know, is, is gaining legs and maybe the way she has handled it, the uh, the kind of pseudo apology, uh, and, you know, maybe the, our Olympic committee did not take uh, too kind to that. Who knows what? But, the sorry, not sorry yeah, apology. Yeah, that we played earlier, you know, in the first hour. But uh, yes, you know, she is claiming again that, you know, she was just stressed out because of, you know, she got news about her mother dying, but, you know, she still ingested the marijuana and, uh, and said she knew damn well what she yep, was doing. I mean, can't do it. And, and that's the thing. She originally did take responsibility for it and then kind of backed away and said, but this is why it happened. So you should still let it go. All right. All right. I uh, want to thank Nick Bogdanovich for joining us. BJ Armstrong as well, too. Talking NBA finals. Looking forward to that tonight. And then, of course, we've got plenty of Major League Baseball on tap uh, tonight as well, too. Tomorrow, we'll start taking a look at game number five of the Stanley Cup Finals as they head back to Tampa. And I think everyone fully expects the Lightning to close it out. But we've seen Montreal kind of throw a wrench into things before here in Vegas and, and last night on their home ice. And again, Montreal all played them in the second game and lost. So it's not like Montreal has played horrible. Right. Tampa Bay's got too many weapons, in my opinion. But then Tampa Bay, you know, like I said, they they outshot them. Shots on goal mean nothing. It really does. It's it's shots in the back of the net. That's all that counts. All right. For Ballpark Frank, T.C. Bart saying so long. We're on all the available cast platforms, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, all there. So go find it. Check it out. And go to tcmartinshow.com as well. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow at 2.